Yeah, okay. How's everybody feeling today? Woo! I know it's a little, probably everybody worked all day and kind of like a little run down, but I believe that God has a word for you. Tell your neighbor, get ready. Matter of fact, tell three people. How's that? I need you guys. I need you guys focus. Today we have a, a special speaker, and I love, um, uh, I love when uh, powerful women of God come here and preach the word of God. I definitely, someone be fired up, like. So, uh, I'm ready for a word from God, and um, I just wanted to share how uh, we're organizing for next door all by faith, and uh, it was awesome that uh, you know we're just moving by faith. And the pledge is really something that you believe God could supply for you to supply for his house. house because at the end of the day, uh, we're all here on a journey. Tell your neighbor, I'm on a journey. And really together as one is to build the kingdom of God. That by the time we leave, that we leave an echo that we were here. That we'll make so much noise and when we're gone. We were like, those people were radical and established this. And these are little steps. Like this is our second church. Actually, our second year, our first year we were in Belleville. Um, our second one was here. Our second year is here. And going on a third year, we're going to be next door. And we've been going through transitions. And I, I think that God is going to do something radical. Like, I just feel a shifting. I don't know if you feel it. I just feel a shifting that God is about to do something special uh, in the city of Newark. And the buzz is going around that we're just church on 21. So you can hashtag all our pictures and put church on 21. Yeah, church on 21. And that's going to be us. Just a, a small group of people who believe God to do something incredible. And usually the funny thing is that we qualify for God to do something crazy in our life because we're the little people. We're the small numbers. God does crazy things with small numbers because we're not depending on us. We're depending on him. We're saying we can't do this, but we're believing that God can. And, it, and it's crazy how you get a, just a couple of people just to believe God. It says the Bible said if two believe, it shall be done. Two, I'm, we got more than two in here. And I'm just believing that God's going to do something. I'm believing that by the May 3rd, we'll have the 25, 30,000. And my crazy radical design I have upstairs is going to be done because I'm just radical like that. I think for God, if I'm going to be radical about anything, it's not my house, it's not my car, it's God's house. That's just me. That's just me. All right, slow down. I'm not going to preach. And I'll take all the time. Amen. So without further delay, uh, Kathy Ratty with the word today. Let's give her... Praise God. It just kept right on going. Um, thank you for the opportunity to just come and share the word. And I just want to say, which has nothing to do with what I'm going to share on tonight, but I appreciate so much when I, when I see what you guys are doing with the backpack for the homeless. Like, that's the church. That's the mission of the church. And what you guys do with Ignite, that's the church, soul winning and helping the poor. And honestly, you know, everything that's going on here, you gotta be kidding me, come on. It, just dream as big as you can possibly dream and God's gonna do it. And we don't even, you know, Pastor George said, you know, I'm believing for this, just speak it out. Sarah and I were talking on the way down and we we're saying how, you know, I was just reading today about David and David, Faith speaks the end result. The enemy came at him and said, I'm going to defeat you. 
you know, you're dead. Like you're a little kid. You're gone. You're finished. And David said, oh yeah, today I am going to kill you. Cut your head off and the birds are going to eat your flesh. He said it. He didn't pray and get this word from God. He just, he knew who his father was. He had experience because he dealt with a lion and he dealt with a bear. He said, this is just an uncircumcised Philistine. I don't need a sword. I don't need a spear. I just know my God. And today, this is what's going to happen. And you know what? God was just so excited and said, well, that's a pretty, that's pretty awesome, man. And it's exactly what happened. And we need to start speaking things out by faith because we know our God. So just dream and d dream big. And in the meantime, because it's going to get big, I remember the first time I sat here and I just felt like you guys are going to need a bigger place. Like this isn't the end all. And, and you know, it was funny because I just, I turned around. I think I was sitting in the, you know, second row and I turned around. It was just packed in here. And I was like, you guys are going to need a bigger place. I didn't realize that you were building a bigger place upstairs. But you're going to be, need a bigger place than that. You're going to need a bigger place. Dream big. Dream big. Not to, you know, to advance the kingdom. Amen? And, and I also wanted to say tonight, you know, we, as we were singing the song, um, I don't even know what song we were singing about, you know, just spirit breakout. Was that, did we sing that song tonight? Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> Spirit break out. You know what? The spirit of God always wants to break out. You know, you know, sometimes, and I'm saying this from my, from me, because I've done this. You know, we almost get into this posture of, we got to just ask God to break out. But God always wants to move. He's always moving. Think of it like this. The radio airwaves, can you see them? Are they in this room? There are. But can you hear radio stations right now? No. Why? Because we need a receiver. So God always wants to break out. He's just looking for a receiver. He just wants a receiver. He's just looking for you to just be a receiver. You know, and I, for one, I was never a good receiver. I'm starting to learn how to be a better receiver because God just wants to, he's always ready to give. He's always moving. We don't have to pray, God, move tonight. No, he's always moving. He's just saying, fix your attention on me because I'm moving. You're going to miss it if you're not a receiver, if you're not fixed. And, you know, a receiver in football is constantly looking at the quarterback. So think about Jesus. He's the quarterback. And he's got the ball, and he's looking for the receiver to throw it. The receiver's got to keep his eyes fixed on that quarterback. And that's how we need to be. Just focus on Christ. When we focus on him, that's when we realize, wow, he's here. He's, he's here. We brought him. He lives within us. But he's always moving, and he wants to move. And in saying that, I, my, my message tonight, if we can turn to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Ash, if you can put this. Yep. And now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And I'm not going to speak on faith tonight, and I'm not going to speak on love tonight. I'm going to talk about something that sometimes we just forget about, and that's hope. And sometimes hope is very, in the body of Christ, misrepresented. It's sort of put on a shelf like, no, I got I to gotta have faith Hope's not really that important, but I want to show you tonight how amazing 
hope is. And I want you tonight, Ignite, to get your hopes up. All of us have situations in our lives that we have sort of just deemed hopeless. Yes? There's just things we've just sort of, we don't even maybe realize that we're doing it, but we've just said, no, that's just hopeless. There's no hope there. Well, I want to let you know, there's no such thing in the kingdom as hopeless. There is no such thing in the kingdom of God as being hopeless. So what is hope? Well, the dictionary, I'll read this from my notes. Sarah let me know that I was very old-fashioned with paper notes. So I vow to you, I will never have these again, okay? I will get up with the times, and I will, I will have normal, I don't know, what, an iPad or something. We'll have something up here. Okay, so Sarah's laughing. What is hope? Okay, it's the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. And, you know, we've said it a zillion times, you know, about a situation. Well, I, sh I hope so. I hope so, right? Well, I hope so. And really, what the definition is saying, or when we say that, we're just, we're really saying, I desire it to be that way. I'm wishing that that's the way it is. And that's pretty much the way we use the word hope. But that is not what biblical hope is. There's two types of hope. There's natural hope, and that would be that definition where let's say you came down with a disease, okay? And it's treatable. Then you have hope that you're going to get better because there's a treatment, there's a cure. That's natural hope. There's hope there. But natural hope will only take you so far because there are situations in our lives that sometimes are hopeless. But remember what I just said, in the kingdom, there's no such thing because biblical hope, the definition for biblical hope is completely different um, than what natural hope is. Okay, so, Ash, I don't want you to go to that next scripture that I had. I want you to go to Romans chapter 4, verse number 18. Okay, this is talking about Abraham. And it says, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So Abraham here, it says, contrary to hope, he believed in hope. What, is that, what does that mean? Okay, let's, let's talk a little bit about Abraham, okay? Abraham was, he was a, called a friend of God. He was not perfect, okay? The Bible says he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So he was given a promise by God that he would be the father of many nations. And in the natural, we know God changed his name from Abram, to Abraham, which meant father of a multitude. So God was already speaking the end result, calling things that are not as though they were. That's, that's what God, that's how God operates. So God's calling him Abraham, but yet in the natural realm, there was zero hope. Okay. He was old and his wife's body was past the age of childbearing. She was in her 90s. It was against hope. There was no natural hope. Natural hope was out of the picture. Impossible. If Abraham and his wife went to a 
doctor at their age and said, we're coming in because we'd like to have a, a child, the doctor would say, these people are cuckoo. You need to go to the mental ward because that's impossible. It doesn't happen. Your bodies are, you know, done. That's finished. Okay. So, but against hope or contrary to hope in hope believed. So biblical hope has to be something completely different. And it is, and it is whenever in the Bible, you see the word hope, hope in God. In, in Psalm 42, it says, hope in God. Why am I cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. Is that just saying wishful thinking, God? Just, I really want it to change. No. Let me give you a picture of what that word means. That word, it means to expect. Expect, okay? And let me give you a picture, a great picture of expecting, okay? Christmas Eve, Okay? your kids hanging around at night, all the presents under the tree, or if, you know, you, you know, they believe in Santa Claus and they think Santa Claus is coming. They are so excited and expecting. Why? There's no doubt in their mind that tomorrow morning there's going to be some gifts there. That is biblical hope. That excitement that joy, that just, it, it's, 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 it's happening. It's going to happen. It's that excitement, that expectation. That is what biblical hope is all over, all about. Have any of us, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm being transparent before you. I've had this happen where I said, I'm believing God. I'm in faith, but I didn't have that feeling. I didn't have that feeling. As a matter of fact, I had something different. Go to Proverbs 15, 15. Okay, this is the amplified version. This scripture blew me away when I, when I uh, heard this. It says, all the days of the desponding and afflicted are made evil by anxious thoughts and for, forebodings. But he who has a glad heart has a continual feast regardless of circumstances. Okay, so let's look at this. All the days of the desponding and afflicted are made evil. Now, again, evil. That word just means, it's not, doesn't mean like, you know, you're a horrible, sinner, sinner wretched person. It just means um, the best doesn't happen. The good that God promises doesn't happen are made evil by anxious thoughts. How many of us here have anxious thoughts? Right? They're made evil by anxious thoughts and forebodings. What's a foreboding? It's a feeling of dread. It's a feeling that something bad is going to happen. Have you ever felt that? Like, you know, about a certain situation where you're just like, it's going to turn out bad. It's going to turn out bad, you know? And I, I had to, I read this and I had to be honest, you know, wow, I, I've experienced that anxious thoughts yeah forebodings yeah like why when a situation comes do we immediately want to go to the worst case scenario you know instead of having hope 
biblical hope. What, you know, we should have hope. You know, the Bible calls the, the gospel, it's the blessed hope. Jesus is the blessed hope. He came to give us hope. Not just, well, I sure hope that happens. No, he came to give us hope. Hope where we're just in expectation of good. Okay, so I had to realize, my gosh, this is where I'm at. What do I do now? What do I do now? Um, Ash, I don't, did I give you Romans 5 something? Three or four or something? Yes. Uh, perseverance builds character and character hope. And I don't like that version. Um, I meant to say the, the King James. I was, I was studying this out. I say perseverance builds character, character hope, and hope does not disappoint. Many times our own, our hope has disappointed us. We've hoped for something and it didn't happen. So we've been disappointed. And then we don't even want to hope anymore. Then we're just like, you know, I'm done. You know, I'm not going to get my hopes up because I was disappointed and we've all been there. And the, the King James Version says, um, perseverance builds experience and experience hope. So our experiences in Christ should bring us hope, not discouragement. But a lot of times, again, if we're honest, how many of us had those prayers and we said, yeah, I'm believing, I'm believing, and it didn't turn out, it didn't happen, the healing didn't come, the money didn't come, whatever. So we've sort of shelved it and said, doesn't really work. But no, sometimes we need to go back to the drawing board and says, it can't be God. It can't be God's word. We got to look and say, maybe, could it be actually, maybe I wasn't really believing. I didn't really, I said I had faith, but if I wasn't really in that type of expectation, maybe I really didn't. So we have to go back to biblical hope. And how do we get that? Because, because I really want to be one of those kids uh, you know, on Christmas Eve, I want to have that type of expectation in God where I know it's coming. I, I don't even, you know, it's not even a matter of, yeah, I can't wait to see it because when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. But the hope is just so strong. It's just, you're excited. You know, it's coming. You're like a kid on Christmas Eve. Those presents are coming in the morning. Or another picture of it. I like, I heard this other example. If you ordered something on the internet, okay, right? You paid for it, right? And you know, right now, my husband bought, uh, we, we painted our bedroom, we bought a new comforter. And I'm a comforter person. I like comforters. I can't, uh, there was a time where I had a crawl space in my house and I, I, I had literally, I'm not kidding, like 15 comforters. Yeah, I just liked comforters. But, um, so I bought a new comforter and I haven't bought one in a long time, so. So I'm excited for it to come, you know? I'm excited. I know it's coming. It's been paid for. I, do I have it? No, I don't have it yet. I, I can't see it with my eyes except in the picture, but I know it's coming. Yeah, I'm, I got hope. I have real genuine hope, and that's the type of hope God wants us to have. Um, so what we have to do to get that type of hope, that type of hope only comes one way, the word of God. God's word made the difference. That's why Abraham could, contrary to hope, in hope believe. Because he had a word from God. He had a promise from God. Okay? God has 
all these promises in his word and they're yours. They're yours. It's finished. He's like, here, children, here they are. Here, trials, tribulations, mountains, you can handle anything. It's going to turn out good. If you have this hope, if you have, if you grab on hold of my promises, okay, but you got to know the promises of God and you have to have that word in you. Now, Abraham, he did. He had that word so strong in him. Okay. So that's why contrary to hope in hope, he believed. And then it goes on to say how he didn't even consider his own body. He didn't even think about it or the deadness of his wife's womb. He didn't even think about those things. He kept his focus on one thing, the word. And we have to realize, um, Ash, can you put up Mark chapter four? Yes. Okay. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Okay. This is where we live. I used to hear, read the scripture and after, after it says, after they hear the word, it says the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And I used to think in my head, oh, these are people that you bring to church once, and then they leave, they never come back again because the cares of this life, the deceitful, blah, blah, blah. No, the Lord said, no, read it again. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns, they are the ones who hear the word every week, maybe multiple times a week, okay? Sometimes we are hearing the word, but immediately the attack is on the word of God. The attack in our life is on the word. The enemy wants to make sure that when Pastor George or anybody else preaches, or especially, God forbid, you should get in the word on your own and try and get it in your heart. The enemy is going to do everything he can to get you out of the word, because if that word gets in your heart, it is going to produce. It is a seed. The word is seed, and it wants to be planted in your heart because it'll produce hope. It'll produce faith. It'll produce peace. It'll produce abundance. It'll produce joy. It'll produce whatever it is that you need. And hope will start to abound in your heart if that word gets in there. But immediately after you walk out the doors of, of the house of God, everything will try and come on you, hit you, and the word gets choked. And you say, how can Jesus is the word. You're telling me that something can choke the word? Yes. Out of your heart? Yes. Yes. The enemy wants to come in and choke that word so it never bears fruit. And if he can keep us sitting in church week after week and get it, and the word just gets choked every week, he got, he's got you. You're never going to live the life that Jesus died for you to live. The attack is on the word of God. So in everything else, get the word in your heart. Get it planted because it's going to get you that hope. And let me just, um, let me tell you a quick testimony. I was thinking of today how this has uh, become real. And I still haven't, I haven't seen with my natural eyes, the, the, it, but I, I know it. I just know it. 
just I just know it. So my daughter, Grace, you guys, you know, have seen Gracie. She, um, back in October, she had to have surgery. She was having this really ridiculous pain, you know, having to do with her, you know, women, womenly things, young womanly things. And um, uh, when they did a, an exam of her, they said she has, she has two uteruses. It's called a uterine anomaly. She has two uteruses, like, really? You know, and uh, it was causing a lot of pain because one uterus was draining blood properly. The other one was just collecting blood. And it was just filling up month after month. So it was just sitting there. We didn't know what. You know, she'd say, my pain, like, down in my, you know, my pelvis. And, you know, what? You know. So uh, when they told us this, you know, I was, you know, obviously, you know, no, you know. No. Well, she ended up having the surgery, but before the surgery, she was in such great pain that the the painkillers they were giving us were so ridiculously strong and they were doing nothing. And that pain moved me. It made me fear. I, I started to get in fear. Now, I was not afraid that she was going to die. I mean, this was not a life-threatening situation, but it, when you see your child in grave pain like that, and they can't sleep, and nothing gets them out of the pain, you know, and I mean, you know, we're laying hands on her until her hair was off her head, and, you know, I mean, you know, doing everything, speaking in tongues, I mean, doing everything, and she's just, you know, in pain. Um, it messed with my mind, and it was getting me, you know, in, it was really getting me in fear, and that weekend I had a, um, the weekend before her surgery, I had a, I had a uh, retreat that I was supposed to go and help out with the worship, and I really, I didn't want to go. I was like, no, my family comes first. I have to be with my daughter. And I'm praying like, Lord, what should I do? And I hear the Lord say, go. So I'm like, all right, I call my husband. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, no, you need to go, go. So I went and the word, the word was, you believe God for a miracle. And it just, you know, I don't even, I can't even tell you what the speaker said, but I know I received a word from God, which was basically believe don't you, don't you give in to this. Don't accept this, you know, report, even though it's not life-threatening. And I don't have to have a miracle. She's going to be fine regardless. Even, you know, the doctors are not saying there's anything threatening, but she has two uteruses, and that's not normal. And, and she ha only has one kidney, and this is the way she was born. But the Bible says she's fearfully and wonderfully made. So anyway, she went in, she had this procedure, they drained out the blood, they said, let's let everything was so swollen. Let's let it all, you know, heal up. So this gave me some time. And during that time, again, I had to recognize, I have some fear here. I got to do something about this. And during that time, I started meditating on the word. And I started meditating on, and, and I mean, the Lord's just been saying to me, what do you want? What is the end result? Sort of like, David, what did David want? He wanted that giant's head to be cut off and the birds of the air to, you know, eat that giant Goliath up. So the Lord was like, what do you want? And I said, Lord, your word says every good and perfect gift comes down from you. You said that she's fearfully and wonderfully made and you created our body to have one uterus and two kidneys. So that's what I am speaking. She today, she went for her MRI. And I'm sitting there as she's having the MRI. And I cannot tell you this hope that is in me. That I'm so excited 
for the, for, the, for the doctor to call me up and say, we don't really understand why, but her uterus is completely normal. I can't wait for them to say that. I just, it's just, the hope in me is so strong because God is real and his word is real. And I'm like that kid, you know, at the night before. And, and it, it was, it's real, it's tangible, it's real. So hope, we can't be the ones that are sown among thorns that hear the word and we allow all these things to come in and choke the word of God. Worry, anxiety, and care will rob you and steal that word right from your heart. It'll choke the word right out. And the only way to get that out, worry, anxiety, and care, is to fix your attention on the author and the finisher of your faith. Look away from those things that are causing you worry. Look away from those things that are troubling you and causing you care. And look to the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's, um, let's go over to... Okay, let's go over to Psalm 130. This is really awesome, too. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. That word wait there is hope. I expect. I expect for the Lord. In, in, in Isaiah 40, where it says, They that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. Doesn't it seem when you wait that your strength gets smaller? Like the longer you got to wait, the more tired you get. Right? That's just the natural way things go. But that word wait means expect. And it also, another um, meaning of that word means to bind together like a cord. So the way I see that is during the time of wait, of waiting, you're taking the word and wrapping it around you, taking the promises of God and just wrapping them around you, keeping yourself engulfed in the word of, of God. And that's when your strength will be renewed. They that wait upon the, the Lord will renew their strength. Your strength will get more and stronger and stronger if you wrap, if you wait on the Lord, meaning expect in him by wrapping the word around you, wrapping the promises around you. Okay. And then your strength will get greater and greater. Okay. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word, I do hope my soul waits for the Lord. Listen to this more really. My soul expects for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes. More than those who watch for the morning. What is that saying? Think about somebody who's watching for the morning. Is it coming? It's coming. My soul waits on the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Just like the morning is coming, God is more faithful than even the sun coming up every morning. Amen. That's how much we, that's how much hope God wants you to have. And finally, uh, Romans 15. This is a powerful scripture too, Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, 
He's a God of hope. If you're in a situation tonight and you feel hopeless, hopeless, God wants you to know he's a God of hope. And whatever that hopeless situation is, there's hope in him. There's hope in him. It's not hopeless. Say that tonight. It's not hopeless. Come on, say it with conviction. It's not hopeless. I don't care relationship, financially. I don't care what you've been through. Your life is not hopeless. Your situation is not hopeless. God delights to take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Just like Pastor George was saying, he delights in just taking ordinary people. People, people that live down in Newark and live down here and, 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 and people that are, are hurting and broken and God would love to take it and make it such a hub and such a place where, where the lost can come and the hurting can come and the broken can come and get hope. Um, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing there's your part. You got to believe. Joy and peace come when you're believing. That's a good barometer for you to believe if you're in faith or if you're believing, do you have joy and peace? Because the word in you will produce joy and peace that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants you not only to have hope, he wants you to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So if just to recap, most important, God wants you to know your situation is not hopeless. Whatever situation that you've said, no, that's just hopeless. That's never going to change, whether it be a relationship, uh, whatever it is, it's not hopeless. And if you feel hopeless, go back to the basics and say, hmm, because I know you guys hear an amazing word here um, on Sundays. And, you know, I used to think to myself, if I saw Christians who were depressed or, or just despondent or whatever, I'd think, well, they must not get, be getting, you know, good teaching. That really has nothing to do with it. But I know you're getting amazing teaching. But I'm saying it doesn't matter how good or bad the teaching is. It's really up to you to put the word in your heart. There's nobody that has perfect doctrine. Right? Maybe Pastor George. I don't know. <laughs> now, I, I, you know what? Come on. Let's be real. You know, I think Jesus probably laughs at us. Like, you know, we think we know it all. Like, we know nothing. But, you know, what I'm saying is God, God right, our, your, your, your growth is not based on a man. Your growth has to be based on your relationship with Christ and you taking the word. And I say this all the time to people. If what you need is, is um, finances, then you take the word on finances. It's simple. It's not hard. I don't know what to read. I don't know what word to study. If you're depressed, you better start taking the word on joy. Take the medicine on joy. Take the joy medicine. Start reading the word on joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In the presence of God is fullness of joy, you know, wh whatever. But the word will produce whatever it is you need. If you need hope, start looking at the promises of God. 
Start looking at he supplies all of your need according to his riches and glory. Start looking that you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Start looking that he always causes you to triumph in Christ Jesus. Start looking at the fact that you can move mountains by what you say. If you don't doubt in your heart and you believe that the things that you say will come to pass, you're going to have whatever you say. Start looking at the, who you are in Christ. You know, we have an identity crisis and we just don't even understand who we are. Start looking at who you are in Christ and get who you are on the inside of you. I was um, watching or listening to Joel Olstein, and he was saying how when his father had passed away, and he was faced with becoming the new pastor. And he was like this young guy. He, he always was a behind-the-scenes type of person. He never wanted to be in the, in the front. Uh, he totally wasn't a speaker. And he was just like, I, I can't do this. Like, he was completely, um, I, I don't, he was beside himself. Like, how am I ever going to do this? But he knew that the Lord was stirring him, and he knew that the Lord was saying, no, no, this is exactly what I want you to do. Again, because God takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. But he said he would look in the mirror in the morning, and he would start saying what God says about him. And he would say, Lord, I thank you that I am anointed. Now, that could sound proudful, but no, I'm not anointed in, my, in ourself. God, if God called him to be a speaker and a pastor... He's anointed. He's anointed for whatever he's called to do. So he started looking in the mirror and saying, I am anointed. And the messages that I speak will affect people's lives. And they'll give people hope. And then he'd say things like, and my messages will go all over the world. And he'd say things like, and when people turn me on the TV, they won't be able to turn me off. He'd say these bold statements and he said, when I first started saying them, I, I didn't believe it at all. He said, but as I kept saying it day after day, and really what he's doing is he's speaking God's word over his, over his life. You know, we don't always have to say, well, thus saith the Lord. You know, if you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defeat this addiction, you're speaking the word of God over your life because God calls you more than a conqueror. So by you saying, I am going to defeat this addiction, this addiction has no power over me. You're speaking the word. The Bible says sin shall have no dominion over you because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. So when you speak things like that, you're speaking God's word. Anyway, you look at Joel um, Osteen now, and it's just like the man, you know, when he's, I can't tell you how many times we have it on serious radio and I, I'll put it on and I'm telling you, it's like, okay, Lord. You're speaking to me. I mean, it's so right on point of exactly either what I was thinking, what I had just prayed that morning. And he says, how many people call him up and they say, you know, I hate TV evangelists, but I turned you on the TV and I couldn't turn you off. And that he, that's just a result of what he spoke. I heard Joyce Meyer say the other day that she started praying this prayer. She goes, I'm praying. And I just feel these words coming up. And as I'm saying, I'm going, this is insane. She starts praying, Lord, I want to help every person on the planet. And she said, now I'm sure I haven't, every person hasn't heard me, but I think I'm on my way. I think I've made a good dent. What that is, 
that's just the word of God in her coming out. It's just the word of God in her coming out. But it's never going to come out if you don't take the time to put it in. Remember, the enemy wants to steal the word. The attack is on the word because if the word gets in your heart, look out. Look out. You guys are a special, peculiar, chosen priesthood unto the Lord. A special people that the world needs to look at you and go, these people, they just can't lose Everything that comes their way, they win. That's who you are. That's who your father's created you to be. Not trial-free, not trouble-free, but always triumphant. And that starts by the hope, the seed of hope, which comes through the word of God. Amen? Amen.